Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Right now, um, if the ushers would kindly prepare to receive the tithes and offerings. <clears throat> you know, one of the greatest acts of kindness and giving that I've ever witnessed in my life was a few years back when I used to teach special education. Uh, I was a special education teacher and I worked with um, uh, the most severely disabled and medically fragile kids. Anyway, we were doing this one service project and um, what we would do is we'd cook breakfast in my classroom, we'd plate it, and we'd take the kids down and we'd go to a bus terminal and hand out plates of food to people. And while we did that, um, what I saw was, was just amazing because people would come up and, and they would see my students who very, a lot of them were, were in wheelchairs, some of them were blind, most of them had medical issues, but some of them, all they could do was like hold the, you know, the fork and, the, and the, the napkins and just bring it this high above their heads. And that was all they could do, but they did it with all of their heart. And to watch that, it was, it was quite an amazing thing uh, to be witness to that. See grown man just tearing up because, wow, this, here's this, this person just giving me, serving me, you know. The greatest act of love and giving comes from John 3.16, without a doubt. For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave, he gave. You know, what did he give? God gave it all. He gave his son. What did Jesus give? He gave his life. And, you know, the thing about Christianity and our walk with the Lord. It's not that complicated. It's not that, it's not about religion or how we appear to people or whatever. What, what, what our walk with the Lord is, is simply this. Understanding how much God loves us and how much he gave. And once you get that, everything just flows from it. So let's go ahead and bless the offering. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much, Lord. You are the giver of all things, Lord God, everything. And we thank you, Lord, that you loved us so much that you gave it all. So right now as we give, Lord, uh, Lord, we, we do it as an act of worship to you, thanking you and with grateful hearts, praising you for all that you've done for us. Lord, open up our hearts to the message. Help us to receive and understand, Lord God. Help us to draw closer and closer to you. In your holy and precious and mighty name we pray. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ohana Pilikia. Let's welcome our host, Bunny Korea. Sorry, just got word we had to cancel. Um, supposedly, the well, if you were here last week, there was a kind of like a like a game show kind of thing that uh, you had the Brainiacs and um, these two local guys, and they were challenging one another. The Brainiacs won. They were supposed to come back this week, but uh, I think it got canceled. The Brainiacs couldn't make it. So, uh, so if you were here last week, you understand what I'm talking about. But today, I guess we got to forfeit. So they're gonna. They're going to lose, and okay. so we'll just continue we're, we're on uh, with today. We, we, so we, I, I just figure. Hi. Hi, everybody. They just told me you guys canceled. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Hi. Hi. I, okay, so Wait, they just told me you guys. I mean, Pastor Sheldon. Right. So. You're, you remember my brother, McBrookie, and his daughter, McBrownie. I mean, 
What? You know what I mean. Right. <laughs> okay. She, uh, we had to. You announced that we had the all night prayer night. She okay. So she stayed up all night. She hasn't got any sleep yet. Yeah, but that was, that was Wednesday. She it just went kept, on to a Thursday. She, she kept, stayed up to. She today's kept, Sunday. Sunday, uh, we, Monday, happy days. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, but we had, we had to cancel. Um, so the, 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 the host, right, we had to send her home. So well, no, there's okay, no way well, we can continue. Well, technically, according to the Ohana Pilikia game uh, book of rules, it clearly states that in the event of a no-show, the actual participants have one hour to show up before it's officially called a forfeit, and being that my opponent's left, we get to go straight to the bonus round. And it says right there on page 332, section 9A. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I never knew you guys read the fine print. Okay, so... Yeah. The monkey's his uncle. The what? We, we need to get onto this bonus round okay. stat because okay. we're losing her. Yeah, I think you lost we're her. We're losing her. Okay, so yeah. Okay, well, we, yeah. Well, I, I do have the questions here. Yeah. Um, I can, let me see where we're at. Okay. Um, okay, well, do you want to still continue? I mean, okay. Yes, yeah. yes, I think so. <laughs> well, for her yes. sake, maybe we'll continue. And I, I just need 60 seconds on the clock, and then we can, we can still do this. Okay. So just to see if you okay. would win. Um, okay, so here's the first question. Which animal do many people think are herbivores but actually eat insects, eggs, and meat while they hunt in a pack? The chimpanzees. Chimpanzees, are, that's correct. Wow. Okay, where does this scripture come from? And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. NIV version... That would be Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Correct. Did you know Goodness. that the human head actually weighs 10 to 11 pounds, not 8 pounds like that little boy said in the movie? Right. Okay, so uh, last question. What do you see? This picture. It's a man, a dog, and a bone. Ooh, sorry. This, this, we were looking for ambiguous image. That's the... That's the, the correct term, ambiguous image. Which, by the way, an ambiguous image is, is a, an image that is reversible. And it's an optical illusion which exploits graphical similarities and other properties of visual system interpretation between two or more distinct image forms. It's That's true. What for. Yeah. However, can we have that picture again? If you look at it, it's a man. But if you right. flip it upside down, it's a dog and a bone! <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's yes. pretty yes. good. Yes. Even in your sleep. I, 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 guess, I, guess, I guess we can take that as a win. Um, you, can, you can take that as a, as a, as a you know, the grand champion. Are you happy? Is this, is this Well, actually, yes, because we can use the money to upgrade our laboratory now. The Los yes. Alamos Laboratory, yes. National lab Laboratory, will have nothing on us. Of course. <laughs> we can do of more course. research. Wow. Yes. That's yes. so good. Yes. So maybe, yes. maybe we can discuss that later. And um, thank you guys for being here. Thank you once again for participating. Okay. We really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, McBrookie. Uh, thank you, okay. McBrawny. Appreciate oh, you guys. Oh, oh, oh. Just one more thing. Sure. What's up? We'll take her. We'll take her. She yeah, we'll rest. get some rest. She needs we'll rest. get her some, some coffee. Thank you. Can we thank the Brainiacs? Thank you for participating. I know, I know. I know. You need to get some rest, though. Let's get some rest. Well, today we are continuing in our series, and we are talking about the family of God. And like normal families, we all have our ups and downs. 
We all have some good times and some not so good times. But being in the family of God, here's, here's what is critical to understand about the family of God. That in the family of God, which we call the body of Christ, we have a perfect father with imperfect children trying to serve a perfect father. So in our differences and some similarities, we're going to find that as the body of Christ, as we come together, there's a way to do life together. Because if we just gather together like this, great, we can learn from the word of God. But if you really want to develop your relationship with God, it's going to be through the body of believers. That's where we grow the most. And when we're connecting with one another, doing life together, that's when everything changes. You would think that in our day-to-day, where we have social media and we can connect with each other at any time, that we would feel less lonely than ever before. But studies show that today, more than ever, people feel more lonely than ever. Which is pretty interesting. Even in a crowd like this, you can feel all alone. You, you might even say these things to yourself. Uh, no one understands what I'm going through. No one listens to me. I, I can never, I can never uh, get through to you. Oh, how come no one understands? Why am I the only one listening? Why am I the only one working? Why am I the only one? Like we say these things and it almost brings us back to a, a life of inclusion or a life of uh, isolation and a life that says, is anyone even listening? Or sometimes just for the, the, the sake of life, we find ourselves in lonely situations. And we sometimes wonder, well, God, you created me to connect with people, but yet, why are there no connections? What's, what's happening in our world today? And when we talk about the family of God, I liken it to a place where people come to to learn from God, not necessarily a place where we come to that we're all perfect because we're all far from perfect. And as we talk about this doing life together, you can take out your notes or if you want to use the church app, it'll help you to follow along. But we're going to find out that doing life together or, or being a believer or being Christians is not the easiest thing in the world that we live in because of the way the world is going and how opposite the world is going than the kingdom of God. I look at the kingdom of God or the church or the body of Christ, believers, as like we do a hospital. Because in the hospital, we understand why people are there. In a church setting, we don't know why we're here. We, we, just, we come to church and then sometimes we see people that we know or we have what we call fellowship. We fellowship with one another. We connect with one another. We talk story with one another. But it's more than just talking. This word fellowship means that we come for a cause. There's a specific reason that we do this. And no one, no one comes to church and and just listens to the word of God and leaves and then doesn't care about people or doesn't care about God. I mean, if that's you and that's your walk with God right now, at least you're taking those steps to move forward. But at the same time, no one goes to the hospital and says, why are all these sick people here? Why is that guy in the room, why, he's, he's crying out. Why is, he, why is he crying out? Oh, because his leg is broken. Yeah, but he shouldn't be crying. He should heal up quickly. No one goes to the hospital and says, wow, there's, there's a lot of uh, people around here that, like, complaining. Like, that guy's, that guy's complaining is hurt. That lady, I just passed by her room. She's complaining. She's hurt. Like, no one questions that because we understand 
that in the hospital, there are people who are hurt, in pain, going through some brokenness, and even sick, not feeling well. That's the picture of the church. Versus church is the place where holy people go. Just look at the person next to you. Are they holy? Don't, I mean, don't, don't like point them out like, no, brother, my friend, I'm not holy at all. Pastor, my mom, no, you should see her at home. Oh, pastor, no, you should see my dad at home. No, it's not about pointing out faults. It's just saying that we come to a place where we're imperfect people. And just like the hospital, this is a place full of sick people. We're sick people. Not sick as in the sense of, oh, you're still sick. It's in the sense of we have sin in us. There's a sin nature in us that unless we have God with us, we're going to gravitate towards our sin nature. That's why we need God, because he's going to help us. He's going to help us become the person he sees us to be. And unless we cry out to him, we stay in our hurt, our pain, our brokenness, and we try to suppress it. But God says, no, no, no. You're to gather together and do life together as the body of Christ because certain things happen. Certain things take place when you do things together as the body of Christ. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 42, and we, we talked about this scripture a little bit last week, but Acts 2, 42, it says that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So what the Bible is showing us is there's a reason why we gather together as the church. And it highlights this one word, fellowship. And that word fellowship comes from a word, koinonia. And that word koinonia is a Greek word. The reason why it's Greek is because the New Testament was written when it was translated uh, from Greek into English. We got to know where it came from. So koinonia means to unite together or community that there's a reason why you're gathering together. There's, there's joint participation, and it's the sharing of one thing that you have. It's, it's, a, it's a constant connection with someone else. And just like a puzzle piece, that you can look at the one puzzle piece, and there's a, it's a portion of a picture. But unless you connect it with another piece, it doesn't come to its full picture. And you're going to need to connect each piece joined together so that you have the overall vision. And the same is true with the body of Christ. Unless we connect with one another, we're not going to see the big picture of what God is trying to do through us as a church. Because sometimes we think, yeah, but I'm, I have flaws. I have insecurities. I, you know, I, I've been rejected before. I've, I've been hurt before. I, carry har I harbor bitterness and unforgiveness. So what, what can I contribute? Because I'm, I'm at that place. I'm not even anywhere near the place that I can connect with people. It's like, I didn't even connect with myself, so how, how do I connect with other people? I'm just learning about my relationship with God. And now you want me to connect with other people? I can't do that. Well, here's what's so cool about connecting with other believers, even in our imperfections. When we try to connect a puzzle piece together, it has to match exactly, right? It needs to have that perfect fit. Well, our perfect fit is not our perfection. Our perfect fit is Christ. That's what we all have in common. It's Jesus Christ. And each part shares with the other to complete a portion of the big picture. That's why Psalm 133 verse 1 tells us how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in 
unity. That word unity means to join, to join together, to be united. And here's what we can learn about doing life together and why it's so important for us. And here's the first thing. It's that we are joined together and united in Christ. We're joined together, united in Christ. That's, that's what brings perfection to who he is in us. That perfection of, excuse me, that's what brings perfection in who we are in him. Because of his perfection and how good he already is, that's our unity. It's not how well we do. I mean, how good do we need to be together to bring perfection? If you bring imperfect people together to, do, to try to do a perfect thing, it's not going to happen. Have you ever tried putting up a tent? You know, the tent poles and you have your way, brother has his way, auntie has her way, uncle has his way, papa has his way. Hey, no, you got to put the poles down. No, you put this first. No, you tarp them like this. No, you got to put the bungee like this. Like, you try to do that together, you start fighting because we have imperfections and you're trying to do something together. Well, it's no different than trying to do life together. We all have our imperfections. And doing life together is, is kind of like what we do with our friends. But if you really want to connect and, and, and develop deep relationships, it has to be more than just friendship in that way. Friendships are great, but when it comes to that word koinonia or fellowship, there's a commonality that we have, and it's for the cause of Christ. Like, there's a deeper meaning. And I know even for us, maybe even growing up where you grew up or how you grew up, I'm not sure of, of how vulnerable you want to be with people because I, don't, I didn't grow up in a, in, a, in a culture, and when I say culture, I'm not talking about here in Hawaii. It's just in my family. That I didn't grow up in a culture in my family where when I would grow up and became a man that I would go to another guy and be like, hey, so what? How's it, bro? You get like deep hurts. <laughs> we don't do that. We don't, we don't just go up to people and say, hey, hey, hey. Hey, tell me about your pain. How's your, how's your, how's your suffering? Like, we don't, we don't do that. We don't grow up like that. And sometimes we think, is that how it's supposed to be in the kingdom of God? And we think, oh, that's, is that how it's going to be in church? Like, like, I have to show everyone my, my, my hurts and my flaws and I have to expose that? No. But when you're united with Christ and you have that connection with Christ, for some reason, as we get to know one another, we're not... We're not so-called trying to tell everyone about our hurts. What we're saying is, yeah, I understand what you're going through. Wow, you know, I, I've been through that. Because there will always be someone who has gone through what we've gone through that has been healed or is going through healing or maybe even at the, at the beginning stages of some type of hurt or pain or suffering. And because we may go through the same things with how other people go through, we may be able to help their understanding of what's happening because God did something in us. But that never happens unless we do life together. You see, you can meet one another like this in a crowd. But hard to have good fellowship in a crowd. You have to have that smaller group setting. And Jesus got it right. He had 12 disciples. It's like Jesus had to bring everything close together. He had to bring his, his, his guys closer together to not just have a friendship, but have a deep fellowship with them. 
And then he even went further with Peter, James, and John. And if you read the scripture in the New Testament, he always brought Peter, James, and John with him on specific things. It's like he was trying to invest in their lives because in a smaller group setting, you're able to share life with one another. And if you're reading your Bible with us, we call it doing devotions and we follow a bookmark. You're going to be reading about when Jesus was just about to go to the cross. He was with his disciples and he even said to them, like, this is the hour. Don't fall asleep on me. Jesus himself had a small group of people that he also connected with. And he was even telling them, my soul is in deep anguish. In other words, he was saying, if anything, this is when I need you. This is when you can pray for me, at this moment right now. Because what Jesus was about to do was take on the sins of the world. Not just for the people that was present then. It was past sins and our sins and future sins and the sins that was happening at that point. Jesus said, I'm going to do something that is going to change eternity for every single person. And I need you, my friends, right now. Pray for me. Don't fall asleep. And they're falling asleep. The Bible says their eyes were heavy. Have you ever had eyes so heavy that like, you just can't keep up and you, you, you can't stay up? Or you're driving home, you start slapping your face. It's like, stay up. Sometimes that happens in church. You have heavy eyes and someone flicks you. You're like, get up. I was praying. <laughs> Jesus was saying that to his disciples. He said, listen, we, we, this is the hour. He relied on his friends. Why? Because that's where unity comes in. It's the cause of Christ. He's doing something. And he says, this is what is going to bring unity. This is doing life together. For where two or three have gathered, gathered together in my name, says Matthew chapter 18. I am there in their midst. That's, that's what Jesus was saying. He's saying that that's where you're going to find authentic relationships. It's in a group of people. That's where you're going to add strength to one another. That's when you, that's when you can hold each other up. Any of you ever played, um, uh, I think it's called Red Rover? I never knew the name of the game. I knew what we said. So I don't know if they still play that in school. It might be outlawed because, you know, you know, we're very sensitive nowadays on what we play. So Red Rover was not a game that was like, oh, this is fun. I mean, the basic rules of this game is you stand in a line and your team stands in a line and you ask someone to send someone over and you clothesline them. <laughs> we didn't need Wi-Fi. There's no batteries. We didn't need a charger. It was just Red Rover, Red Rover, send Sheldon right over. And then I would have to break the hand of the person holding, and they would just clothesline you. It's so fun. <laughs> but if the person liked you, like if there was a girl, and she would say, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Thomas right over. And then Thomas would run over, and she would just let him go. <laughs> because Thomas would now have to stand there and hold hands, and they would hold hands. <laughs> and so that was, the, that was kind of the, the fun part, I guess, of the game. But really what you're doing is you're, you're banding together, strengthening one another so that the, the other team, the, the enemy, could not come through. And that's what doing life together is all about. It's us connecting with one another because the enemy attacks us and we want to stand strong together. Our unity is in Jesus Christ. That's why we gather together. We're joined because of him. And the Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 7 and 8, if we are living in the light... As Christ is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another, with each other. And, if, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, 
we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. And what Jesus had in mind is us standing strong together. This is what God had in mind. A group of people who we can be open with and authentic with, vulnerable with. A group of people that we can share our hurts, our pains, our frustrations, even our failures, our weaknesses, even our doubts. Not to gossip, not to gather together in a prayer circle and say, okay, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for Pastor Sheldon and Heidi because they're struggling this week. This week, this is what happened. And use that like as a cover-up to talk about each other. What God had in mind was that we would strengthen one another, ask each other for prayers and help. That's what God had in mind because we're all going to go through things. And for us to say not, the Bible says, wow, you're only fooling yourself. And I used to think of authenticity or, or, or having intimate friendships couldn't be done in the light, as it were. I thought I had to hide everything because what if I get rejected? What if I do, you know, talk about how I'm doing and I, I didn't know how people were going to receive me. So I, I didn't know that it could be done in the light or that I could be open with people. That's a scary thing because there's a lot that goes on in our hearts. But when we do life together, here's the second thing. We can hide in the dark, but we thrive in the light. That's what makes the difference. If we constantly are hiding and, and, and trying to hide who we are, and I don't want nobody to know about me, because if they do, they might, they might not like the real me. They might reject me. And so we seclude ourselves or we, we, we isolate ourselves because it's such a big risk to be open with people. We, we can't trust people. And in our day of social media, you know, people talk back and forth on social media. I'm like, wow, we're, sometimes we're more open through social media than we are one-on-one -on -one with people. Sometimes people will be talking back and forth about each other on social media. They see each other in real life. They don't say anything. It's like, oh, yeah, that's the girl right there. That's the guy right there. That's the guy. That's the guy. Like, what, what is that doing? It's just causing us to hide even more. But the Bible says, no, 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 when you expose it in the light, that's where spirituality and your maturity begins to take off. That's where you grow in Christ. As it says in James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. That's in the light. Have you ever had a cut? In fact, I was just thinking about it that my grandson, Jaden, he was taking a shower and he had a cut on his leg. And he said, Papa, can you get me a new bandage? And I said, yeah, I'll get some like Neosporin, put it on so that it'll heal quicker. I totally forgot. That was on Friday. I just remembered this morning. <laughs> so I don't, know how, I don't know how he's doing with his cut, but I will see him today and I'll, I'll apologize. But when you have a cut and a wound, like the deeper the wound, the longer it takes to heal. But if we just keep it covered and we leave it like that, it gets infected. You have to expose it. You have to clean it out. And sometimes cleaning the cut is more painful than the actual cut. But the reason why you're doing that is because the pain you're experiencing right now to be healed is far less painful than the pain you will feel if it's not healed. Infection will take place. And then it'll, be, it'll spread and it'll become worse. And the pain that you normally would have had if you just cleaned it, took care of it, and healed it, would have been far less painful. And then all you would have is a scar. Oh, you'll remember it, but it doesn't hurt anymore. That's why when the Bible says, 
when you are able to come together and confess your sins to each other, not just hide in the dark but bring it in the light, there's going to be healing that takes place. And one day you'll look back and you'll say, well, there's, I remember it, but it doesn't hurt anymore because I've been healed. This is where honesty comes in, being honest with, our, with ourselves and with other people. That's what is accomplished. Healing takes place. Romans chapter 1, verse 12 tells us that when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. What the Bible is saying is we, we're going to do that for each other. You're going to encourage me. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to build you up. You're going to build me up. And it's not to like build each other up so that we become prideful. What the Bible is saying is, no, we all need encouragement. We got to build each other up. That's what makes us the body of Christ. That's what, that's what should make us different than any other organization in the world. That we're the church, the body of Christ, that we build each other up and we encourage one another so that when we get together, our faith with one another is encouraging each other. And when we are more consistent in our faith, we grow stronger. And when we grow stronger and do life together, we're going to find more and more encouragement. For many of us, we grew up in discouragement. We grew up hearing negative things. We grew up people putting us down, sometimes even our own parents. But in the kingdom of God, what Jesus is saying is when you gather together in my name, you're going to build each other up. But you've got to be able to bring it out into the light to help one another. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And you know what it means? It means to be sympathetic towards one another. And I know in our world we say sympathy means you just feel for one another. Empathy means you really understand. But in, in the Bible, it's closely related to where when, you, when it says compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, basically what it's saying is you feel so much for the other person that you do something about it. That's, that's what it means. That's that translation. It's, it's mean that, it means that you, you feel so compassionate, so tenderhearted towards someone. As you're listening, you're, you're now thinking of, boy, how, how can I serve this person? Versus trying to fix them. Because that's not what it means. It doesn't mean you're going to fix them. I mean, haven't we all been in a, at a place in life where maybe a person has been talking to you for a while and you're thinking in your head, all you have to do is leave him. All you got to do is dump her. All you have to do is go to church. All you have to, like we're fixing it and then we just tell them, you know what, it's because you're doing it wrong. Like we're trying to fix people. And on their side, sometimes they just need a listening ear. Sometimes people will even avoid us because we're the fixer. That as they're speaking in our head, we're saying, okay, all you have to do is this. Oh, yeah, that's all you have to do is this. Okay, yeah, if you just stop doing this. Okay, here's what you need to do. And then we lay it down for them. And maybe it calls for it. I don't know. All I know is when the Bible says to be compassionate, gentle, and patient, it comes with being a listening ear. Have you ever been talking to someone and you're thinking in your head, what do I say, what do I say? Like, well, I don't even know what to say. I don't, how do I even comfort this person? That could very well be the Lord saying, you don't have to say anything. Just your presence alone speaks volumes. That you care so much for the person and you love them so much, 
that it's not about trying to change them. It's just letting them know, thank you for bringing that out of the dark into the light. And now I, I, I can pray with you. Man, that's tough to deal with. Man, that must have hurt. It's validating their feelings, what they're going through. And I know we live in a society where feelings is everything. But being a believer, listening, paying attention, and being patient, it's not an easy thing to do. That's why we need Jesus. <laughs> but when someone is sharing their heart in whatever capacity, that's when we get to be there for them. That's why Bible studies are important. We have what, we, what is called rooted and growing. If you want to know about our, our different, um, different uh, things that we do, you can go to our information center or the app, and it just lets you know when we do different studies, Bible studies. I meet with a group of guys that we read the Bible together. Uh, you may uh, hang out with a group of people, and, and, and you guys gather together because of Jesus. It's not just to like, do stuff. The commonality is because of Christ, and it's in that group that we find healing because we're bringing out of the dark and into the light the things that we need God to work on. I can't tell you how often I would share with my friends, and as we're reading the Bible together, we, we call it doing devotions, that I would just say, boy, this is what I got to work on. And they're encouraged, we'll pray together, and we need that. We got to strengthen one another. So whatever form of fellowship you're going to find yourself in, Find a place that you can connect with. And if there's no group for you, make one. We have what is called Right Now Media. And you can sign up at our information center or at the resource center. And basically, it's the Netflix for Bible studies. You, know, you may be thinking, I don't know how to do a Bible study. It's okay. Log on to Right Now Media, and there are thousands of various Bible studies that will lead you and even a group of people. And when you go through it, there's questions, and you can use that as a discussion thing, but it's, help, it's helpful and it's healthy. And when you do that, you can do it from your phone. Uh, you can go to your house, and if you want to uh, connect to your TV, you can do that, and it just leads you. But we, we got to be in that, that smaller group because that's where healing is going to take place. That's where we share with one another our burdens. And I know in, in our society, it's like, I have too many burdens I don't want to take on somebody else's burden. Well, you're not carrying it by yourself. Jesus said to cast your cares on me because I care for you. He also said, take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle and humble in heart. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Our burdens are heavy when we don't give it to Christ. We carry them ourselves. But doing life together means we're going we're gonna to have burdens with one another. We're going to carry each other's burdens. In fact, you can write that in your third point. Be a burden bearer. Be a burden bearer. Now, I'm, a, I'm a, a, a visual person, so when I read the Bible, I visualize what I'm reading. Uh, you know, there's music playing in my head. Like, I, like cinematic uh, scenes are taking place, and I think some of you are like that. You, you, you learn that way. You're an audio, audible learner or a uh, visual learner. And so when I read the Bible, that's what takes place in my mind. And I'm thinking, how can I, how can I remember to be a burden bearer? And so I, I tried to imagine what, it, what could I put in my mind. And so I want to I take you into a scene that I saw with this phrase. So I, I pictured it as a Western. Like it's a Western. And you know how they have the two gunslingers opposite of each other in the little town? And it's like noon. And it's at the, at the daytime, heat of the day. Everybody's sweating. And then there's people on the side and they're watching. So that's the scene. And it's quiet. 
and the wind is blowing. And you have one guy on one side. He has like a little twitch. You just kind of like make your move. You know, he has just had that. And then you have the other guy that he's, and his, his finger is like trigger happy. And he's ready, ready to go. And so I'm picturing this. And, and so, so here's, here's the scene. Tumbleweed. Flies on the side. And you have all the people on the side and they're like this, like. And they're watching. And they're. You a burden bearer? And the other guy says, I'm a burden bearer. You a burden bearer? I'm a burden bearer. Well, let's go bear some burdens and fade out. That was my scene. So I can remember to be a burden bearer. That's, that's, how, I, that's how I remember things. But I'm thinking that's what Jesus said to us. How, how are you going to bear each other's burdens? You, someone has to do that. If we're going to carry it ourselves, how is that going to work? That's why Colossians, excuse me, Galatians 6 verse 2 says to carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. This is how we, we, we carry one another's burdens. When you see each other after today, just ask one another, you burden bearer, <laughs> let's go bear some burdens. If you're a woman, Figure it out. <laughs> Just, how you, I don't know how you're going to, whatever scene you're going to have. But if we're burden bearers, what we're saying is, brother, I understand. Sister, I understand. Let's, let's bear burdens together. Let's lift each other up. Because the deeper the pain and the grief, the more we're going to need one another. And fellowship with other believers is where mercy comes in, grace comes in, understanding comes in, where life can be experienced together where all of our flaws, our mistakes, our sin, our shortcomings aren't ignored, but it isn't poked at either. And we're not here to point faults. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, it says, and Paul the Apostle is speaking this, so he understands coming from a life without Christ and now a life with Christ. And he says, I am not overstating it when I say that the man who caused all the trouble hurt all of you more than he hurt me. And what Paul is speaking about is someone who betrayed them as believers. And now he's saying, you got to welcome him back. He says, most of you opposed him, and that was punishment enough. Now, however, it is time to forgive and comfort him, otherwise he may be overcome by discouragement. So I urge you now to reaffirm your love for him. What Paul is saying is, you know, when you exclude someone and you kind of just brush them off, that's pain enough. He's saying it's time to bring them back in and love them. And if we're not understanding the grace that God gave to us, it's going to be hard for us to do that for other people. And if you hang around imperfect people long enough, you're going to be hurt by them. They're going to say things that offend you or has the possibility to offend you. If you hang around imperfect people after a while, they're going to say things that feels like they're demeaning you. And most people, they don't do it on purpose. They, they just don't know yet. Sometimes we get hurt by people and the other person had no clue. 
And now we're harboring bitterness against them or, or unforgiveness when they had no idea. Some people may do it on purpose. Some people just have a, a difficulty in life and maybe they're taking out their anger on you. Nonetheless, when we're bearing each other's burdens and we're, we're saying to ourselves, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that I'm reaffirming love for one another, then we're able, as we do life together, to heal with each other. Because hurt people hurt people. But healed people help hurt people heal. That's what Jesus does for us. He was hurt on the cross, came back from the grave, and now he helps us heal. Now he says, you go do that with other people. Because you're, you have a story, this person has a story, but you're, you're healed or going through healing, you can help these other people. That's what the Bible tells us in Colossians 3.13, and I'll close with this, to make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You know what is interesting about this? The Bible is telling us that you will be hurt. You will have unforgiveness. People will say things to you. You will be offended. And to go even further, the Bible says, so make allowance for that. Give room for that. What do you mean? That's even worse. Like, we don't want, we don't want to make room for more hurt, more fault. He says, no, no, no. This is why the church exists. The church doesn't exist so that all healthy people come here. The church exists so that as unhealthy as I am, with all the deep hurt and the flaws that I have, I can come to a place where we have a common ground of Jesus Christ being our healer. That it's in him. That's our commonality. That's our unity. That as broken as we are and can be, we all understand that we're imperfect people trying to love a perfect God. That now I don't have any expectations or presuppositions with my fellow brother or sister. So when they do hurt me, I understand. When they do hurt me, I can still love them. When they do offend me or I take on an offense, I can forgive. Why? Because I know that's going to happen. It's going to happen so I can prepare for it. That's why the Bible says, guard your heart above all things, for out of it flow the issues of life. It's going to happen, guys. It's the family of God. If that's bad news for you and you thought church was a place where healthy people come, this is not. But this is where we find healing. This is where we become healthy. But it only happens when we do life together. Amen. And put away your notes and we're going to pray together and strengthen one another. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Heavenly Father, we're grateful that we can gather together and whether we're here with just us, our family, our spouse, friends, our children, what, 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 whatever it looks like in, in how, we, how we got here and who we're with, we know that we're with you. And I would pray that all of us together would understand that doing life together isn't the easiest thing, but this is how you designed us as the church. That we are to love one another, to extend mercy and to welcome people. I'm sure there is unforgiveness, but you forgave us, to, so help us to forgive others. And we, we hear the phrase, Lord, forgive and forget, but it's so hard to forget. 
We can forgive, but it's hard to forget. So can you help us to heal? And then when we forgive, Lord, it doesn't mean we have to trust because trust takes time to rebuild. It takes time to build that back up. So can you help us, even in our insecurities, feeling rejected, going through difficulties, that we would be people who build towards trust, forgiveness, and that we would be there for one another and bear each other's burdens. Lord, I pray that even, even in our, our difficulties of, of doing life together, that we would see the bigger picture. You created us with a purpose. You give us value. And we may be people who have gone through some things and we're healed from that and we're grateful, we're so thankful. But now you're calling us and encouraging us and moving our hearts and stirring our hearts to now help others who are going through the same things or who are about to go through the same things to help them heal. That's our heart, Lord. We want to partner with you because we're in your family. This is the family of God. We want to strengthen one another. So I thank you that we have you to lean on. In Jesus' precious name we pray, and we all sit together, amen.